Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Ryan. And I'm Heather. And we are Confidence Through Cabaret. And today we are wonderfully looking forward to welcome to Confidence Through Coffee, the visionary, the advocate, the amazing author of Chocolate Drop in Corporate America from the Pit to the Palace, the amazing Genesis Amaris Kemp. Hi, Genesis. How are hey! you? I'm doing well, Ryan, Heather, how are you? Yeah, we're really good, really good, I'm thank you. Good. Despite the fact that Ryan has called our company now Confidence Through Coffee, which is fine. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, we, but, you know, I mean, I'm getting there. My, every time I introduce this section, I always introduce it the wrong way around. So it just, it just keeps happening at this stage, but I'm slowly getting there. <laughs> <laughs> We are perfectly imperfect. Perfectly imperfect. <laughs> Everyone uh, needs a little grace. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So thank you yeah. so much for joining us today, Genesis. It's such a pleasure to be featuring you. Um, myself and Heather have uh, had a wonderful conversation with you the other day. And obviously we've both done a lot of reading and I've been watching a couple of your interviews and stuff, and especially recently. Really just... Um, thank you so much for joining us firstly but please just tell us you've got so many different things under your belt so many different um aspects to what you do tell us a little bit about yourself so i am a creative content writer the author as you mentioned of chocolate drop in corporate america from the pit to the palace a self-development advocate and inclusion and diversity enthusiast. I am a native Houstonian, but also first-generation American. I have 11 and a half years in the oil and gas and energy sector and a total of 15 years in corporate America where I learned all the ins and outs. I've seen a lot of things, heard a lot of things, some that I agree with, some that I don't. And I just package all that up into my inclusion diversity hat and really want to push the needle a little bit further because I think there's so much more that can be done in the inclusion and diversity space to make sure corporations as well as individuals within the corporations are really being inclusive and diverse. Oh, amazing. And how did you get into this work? I actually just fell into, into it. Yeah. So <laughs> just a lot of trial and error and just based on my work experience and et cetera, I really saw it as a niche area. And what really heightened it was the whole BLM, which is the Black Lives Matter movement. Everyone wanted to say, hey, we're supporting Black Lives Matter or we're doing this. And I felt like they were mainly saying it to jump on the bandwagon, but you really didn't see actions that were truly pushing the needle. You were seeing things that were being done to save face in front of the public. But whenever you, you know, peel the onion back, you're like, okay, so what did you really do? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, you being from the oil and gas industry, especially, I mean, you must have seen uh, well, a, a lot of uh, lack of inclusion and diversity um, in general, anyway, just by so many different categories. Um, I, I, I wonder how, 
how does it, what, what was it your experience of working in an environment where you didn't feel like there was inclusion and diversity? It was challenging at first because it's a male dominated career. It's, you know, there's a lot of older Caucasian males. There's not a lot of people that look like me. And whenever you do find someone that looks like you, they're spread out throughout the company. And sometimes we see ourselves, okay, are we the token holder for the company to say they're inclusive and diverse? Or does the company really value what we bring to the company? And are they going to, you know, progress our career as fast as a Caucasian male or woman? or someone that is not within our minority bucket. And when you think about minorities, it's not just about, you know, us Blacks, but it's about the Asians, the Hispanics, the Latinos, Middle Easterns, and everyone that, you know, is non-white. And whenever you see the general population and you really don't see someone that looks like you in leadership or like in a C-executive roles so it makes you question like okay we're in the company but why aren't we being given a shot to you know really climb the corporate ladder and etc so then you really just have to do some deep diving and really ask yourself those questions but you also have to kind of push the envelope in order for change to be made so when I first got there I was I was new, so I was a small fish in a big pond again because it was my first Fortune 500 company. So I was like, okay, should I speak up right away? Because, you know, I don't want to be seen as aggressive or the angry black woman or the other microaggression forms of labels that are attached. And so I waited four and a half years, you know, just remaining quiet, just really understanding the company culture seeing how, you know, I could have a competitive advantage and et cetera. But during that time, I was just getting angry. I wasn't happy. And I was like, there's more that needs to be done. So it came around year five where I was like, okay, it's time to shake things up. It's time to be bold. It's time to be courageous. And it's time to step out on faith. So I started to, you know, just speak up and say, you know, I want, I want a different role. Like I'm not, I didn't go to school to be an administrative assistant. Like I want to play in the big leagues. I want a professional, you know, role because prior to going to this fortune 500 company, I had four and a half years experience in oil and gas, but it was at a smaller mom and pop company that was ran by um, people from the UK. So Working with foreigners, they have a different outlook on race because, you know, they've traveled the world, like they've worked with versatile, a versatile group of peoples, but then whenever you go to a big corporation, they're like, oh, well, you're branded by association. Anyone will want to work at this big company. And once it's a big oil and gas company, you're like, oh, okay. And then you kind of let those things play with your mind but then you have to realize when it's time to snap out of it right and that's i mean i think that's uh that's really interesting what you say about the 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 differences between the two companies as well and how how starkly different they can be by the idea that they kind of get this this almost merit that they because they decide that they are above uh, reproach or beyond reproach they can just go oh well I'll just do what I want then and I don't have to worry so being in that 
space. Um, was there, how did you end up sort of going, right, okay, now I know that I have to speak up. Like, what was the next step for you then? I mean, I know that you go more into this within within your book, but um, I'd love to know a little bit more about sort of how you started that work towards, um, towards opening up that whole sector, because I mean, that's uh, the oil and gas market's its own sector, its own, <laughs> its own entity. So um, what really um, jump started it was getting involved in activities outside of the work workforce that had a collective group of people that were in the oil and gas sector, but they were from various sectors. Uh, various companies. So just talking and networking with people outside of my company gave me a, a different perspective on how things were being done at other companies. And it just helped me become a little level-headed because I'm like, okay, is this just the oil and gas industry in general when you're playing with the big boys or is it just my company? So I had to do some outside research in order to formulate my strategy. Then um, at work, I started going to different ERGs, which are employee resource groups. So I could see, okay, what are the problems that these groups are having? And I not only just joined the ones for Blacks, but I joined the ones for Latinos. I joined the ones for women. I joined the other, the other ones that they had across the organization. So I could kind of, you know, do some more research and internalize what I was hearing. Because no matter if you're a woman, you're still a minority, if the general population is made up of males, if you're a minority, there's a group for you, then they had a group for pride and etc. So those are all parts of, you know, minority, but it's also parts of inclusion inclusivity as well so you really have to gather all your information so once I kind of did my research on my own then that's where I started to have more leverage on what I could talk about or whenever I would have these meetings how I could push the envelope and say well you know I've been networking outside of the company and this is how other companies are tackling it or in the ERGs this is what I heard okay how do you plan on correcting this or what's the path forward plan because I always feel like you should do your due diligence before you are a small dog with a big bark <laughs> absolutely so tell us a little does bit that, about what go ahead uh, does that help answer your question oh, Ryan absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so tell us about what led to your you writing a book I mean obviously there's a lot of you know, fuel in that and a lot of research and so on. How did that go from self-advocacy to, to writing a book? It was definitely frustration, to be honest. Um, just sitting down with my supervisor, who was a woman at the time, she was a Caucasian woman, and just having her say something to me that was just out of the ordinary saying, oh, I don't feel like you will be able to compete with the professionals or, and I'm like, excuse me, I've been doing the work of a professional for three years, but you had me categorized as an admin. And then just having her just give me performance feedback that did not match the peer review feedback. Cause at my company, they do force rankings and you have to solicit, um, feedback from your peers. And then once you gather the feedback from your peers, you um, 
put it in a system and then your supervisors, they battle it out in a room. They'll take all the people that have your similar function or your classification level and they'll rank you in a, in a boardroom meeting. Then they'll factor in your peer reviews. So if my peer reviews are saying one thing and they're talking about all the accolades and accomplishments I made, but then you're telling me something that is outside of the peer review that does not even merit, it's contradicting. So I'm like, okay, does she have a problem with me? Or is she intimidated by me? Or does she not want to see me succeed? So I had these questions that I was asking. And at the end of that discussion, I was just so frustrated. I just literally pulled out my phone and I wrote down the words chocolate drop in corporate America. And I put three sentences and little did I know those three sentences would be the jumpstart to my book because I wasn't even thinking about writing a book. It was just a way for me to get my thoughts out of my head, control my anger, and just write it down versus just exploding. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, that's... So many others. And hopefully, now you've helped so many others to be able to advocate for themselves but also hopefully for, for others to understand that position. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so how do you do, like, how, how would you, how do you, how do you recommend that people advocate for their, their own rights and position? So I would definitely encourage individuals out there to, you know, do your research. If you're, if you feel like you're underpaid, there's different, um, information online like PESA. So it's www.paysa, I think, .com. You could also use Glassdoor or Indeed and you could put in your job, your job title and you could see how your job title is paid in comparison to where you are. And you could look at the sliding scale. And then another thing I would do is do your um, network marketing in a sense. And when I say network, <laughs> you're networking ar around people in your industry and then you're also marketing. Okay, this is what I'm targeting. Can you share your experience? Not the, you know, business to business network marketing or the pyramid scheme, but just how you network in a collective group of people that are in your playing field, but they may not necessarily be at your company or you could do it in your company, but then that's also like a sticky situation too, because, you know, companies have a lot of favoritism, a lot of nepotism and et cetera. So you kind of have to do it subliminally, which, which kind of comes off as shady to some, because if you work at a company, there's the same position um, in different business lines, right. depending on the area. And you could ask them, hey, how long did it take you to get to this level? Or when you started in this position, what level did you come in? If you don't mind me asking and kind of just build a, a rapport there, but then also make sure that it's mutually beneficial. So they're learning too, because they may have something, you know, that's going on in their, in their role that they may need addressing. Right. Then from there, don't be afraid to ask questions or speak up to management. Like if you know that you want something 
and you have the qualifications, you have the experience, and you have the knowledge and the tenacity to strive in that field, then you should have a open discussion with your supervisor and say, hey, I'm interested in moving up. This is where I feel that I am. What do I need to do to get to where I want to go? And just have those open conversations. And then by the response that you get from your supervisor, you could see if they're really for you and they want to help you, or you can see if they're against you. And if they're against you, then there's other ways to work around that. You can network with other managers that have the same ranking as your supervisor that may be able to pull you over to their group without having your supervisor you know, sign off. So you just have to really be strategic. And another thing, another um, suggestion that I would offer to people is don't be afraid of the unknown. Because if you are, then that is going to limit your possibilities. You are so capable of achieving your wildest dreams. You just have to start by believing in yourself. So once you start believing in yourself, then that's part of the tools in your toolbox. Because you believe in yourself, you're going to have confidence, you're going to walk with your head held high, then you're going to go out and formulate your strategy which you're gonna start by researching, doing your due diligence inside the company as well as externally, because sometimes you may have to shop yourself and see, okay, this other company is willing to hire me and pay me at this rate. Then you could take that back and negotiate with your current employer and say, hey, I got an offer over here. Can you match it? If not, I'm gone. So, And sometimes people call your bluff. So you just have to be willing to put your put some of your eggs out there and say, okay, if this company offers me this position, am I truly going to leave? Because you have nothing to lose. You can either chase the money and chase a position that will help you, you know, yeah. accelerate, or you could, you know, play hardball with your current employer and not get anywhere. But, you know, if anything, be pigeonholed. Then make sure you network with other people and really know what's out there and it's so important that you know people know who you are and it's not always about who who you know sometimes it's about who knows you oh that's a really good point <laughs> that's such a good point because yeah if you're if you're making those networks and you're going out and doing all that stuff it, you do become more known within your within those organizations and more people will see you. it's totally correct yeah absolutely um i was gonna ask as well so you've gotten to this point where you know you've you've written this book and you've you've started this major journey into advocacy and to to working with that and to to creating a, a blueprint for people especially in corporate sectors to to then use because that's as you say you know the the steps you've just taken can be of ah we go yes <laughs> i was like where's the book um, <laughs> um the those of uh, those uh, tips can be applied to so many different sectors within the within the business world um so what like after you've released the book and then you, what was the next step for you what was your like right okay now i've got this what's next what do i do definitely marketing the book because since i'm a first-time author a lot of people don't know who genesis is so just going on different podcasts sharing my sharing my stories talking about the trials and tribulations, as well as helping people along the way, and just really being unapologetically me and having the confidence to say, not only did I write this book, but I'm willing to get in front of the camera and talk about it. So you can meet me for who I am. So behind the book, you know, there is a 
there is a live person that is not afraid to go on and share her struggles, share some of the pain, but also share how the pain has brought her to where she is now. And after that, I just started doing podcasting last year. I've done over three dozen podcasts. I've hosted some podcasts for other people, um, been featured in some magazines. So it's been an incredible journey, but each, um, definitely just overcoming fear and just really putting myself out there, not just only for people that look like me, but people who don't look like me and just really I'm about building a legacy and leaving an impact on various communities because I want to give people the tools for them to succeed. Because if I look back, you know, years ago, I had ancestors that went before me to pave the way. And we've all gotten to where we where we are currently by the help of someone, whether or not we we can see it. You know, no one gets to success. By their own like if you look at all the you know millionaires billionaires like steve jobs um elon musk all of those people have like a people on their team that are helping them fuel their vision and their purpose <laughs> i love that and i just want to go back to unapologetically me ah I mean, and you know, you know, in Confidence Recovery, we, we believe that everybody has a place and mm -hmm. has, a, has a voice and a space. And unapologetically me is just, just perfect. Thank you for sharing that. So your, your topics are inclusion and diversity, of course, and then purpose and passion and being who you want to be. So who do you want to be now? <laughs> so good question so genesis um i want to be a worldwide author i want to be a bestseller author where i could see my name on the new york times that's um a far reach but it can be attained so i'm just putting it out in the universe so it can manifest a mother i don't have any bambinos yet but hopefully soon <laughs> <laughs> And I definitely want to be a woman that other people can admire and look up to, to say, hey, she told her story. So it's giving me the courage and the hope to tell my story. She's embracing, you know, her skin and her identity and she's doing it shamelessly. So if she could do it with confidence, then, you know, so can I, because I feel like everyone has confidence sometimes they just need to tap into it and stop allowing what other people say about them to cause them to, you know, be limit, um, limited. So I, I definitely want to be limitless. I want to be an encourager, a motivator, inspiration to others. And I definitely want to be a person that could really push the inclusion and diversity as a whole and make sure that everyone feels inclusive. And no matter where you are, there are diverse aspects within the inclusivity. And that's an answer. Yes, that is an amazing I answer. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> you know, and I. I love that you're talking about building a legacy because that's you're the person that goes before others, just yeah. as you've talked about people going before you, and that's just so beautiful. So, are you going to? Are you working on another book right now? 
I am working on an expanded edition of the book. So this book currently has 12 chapters and the, uh, the back of the book has reflection quotes and it has a discovery exercise that I call, Who Am I? Because I think that's very important to know who you are. And um, I will be including a new chapter in the book to talk about 2020. And that was, <laughs> a chapter that was so needed because 2020 threw us all for a curveball. No one even expected a global pandemic or nothing like that. And I think that was a year that people really started to wake up and pivot because, you know, people lost their loved ones, um, businesses closed down. Oh, I love that Krispy Kreme cup. <laughs> businesses. <laughs> I'm trying to have like this little sneaky sip while you were chatting. <laughs> That's one of my favorite donut places. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a Canadian, so I'm a Tim Hortons girl. Oh, I like Tim Hortons too. The Tim Bits or the Double Double. Literally, we can't have a conversation without Tim Bits coming out. <laughs> You're right. Nobody saw that coming, and I, I, I hope we come out different. You know, I hope we we keep our strengths and then build from there. Yeah. Um, so, what's the exercise in the back of your book? So the exercise in the back—it's a short exercise. I'll show you. Da -da -da -da. So it's called. I don't. Can you see it? Oh yeah. It's Discovery. called Discovery Exercise. Who am I? And I talk about in the part, who am I? And I say, I'm a professional who knows her life's purpose. It's not to sit down, muzzle my mouth and continually let people get over on me. I know my worth. It's time to speak up, activate my fate and walk into the destiny God has for my life. And then I go in to say, I encourage you to take a leap of faith and get out of your comfort zone. If you are wondering what you should do next, take a step back and write down all the things you're good at doing. Out of those things, which ones bring you joy and fulfillment? How can you make a change in not just your life, but also the lives of those in your community and beyond? Formulate a plan on how you can implement those things and still bring revenue into your household. Times are changing and one thing's for sure, jobs can come and go, but the empire and legacy you build will always be in existence as long as you have a strong foundation and continue to cultivate it. You too can be all the things you ever imagined. So stop limiting yourself by the things people say you cannot do or by operating under the limitations that others have placed on you. Ah, oh, that was amazing. I absolutely loved that. Absolutely loved it. Ah, oh, that is a great idea. I love the, um, I love that sort of take on it there because we always say um, with Confidence Through Cabaret that we like to start from where we're strong. And I think a lot of people when they're going into, especially in the, the work environment, you can know your stuff and you can know it implicitly, but sometimes the difference comes when you have to deal with the interpersonal side of it. And it can be very daunting to, to take on, 
you know, a, a, a supervisor or a manager or anyone in that kind of position of power. How did you, because in that, in, that, um, in that extract, you sort of said, you know, I got to know, you have to know your worth. How did you get to know your worth and really like learn to embody that? So I did a lot of prayer. I did a lot of meditation and just really taking time to practice self-care and self-awareness on what I really valued in myself. So it was part of my morals and my characteristics. Those are part of my formula for self-worth because if I am not meeting all the things that are acceptable in my life, and if I'm you know, shrinking back on my characteristics to appease others, then that's not part of my self-worth because I'm bending who I am to fit someone else's mold where I was never meant to fit another person's mold. I was meant to be unique and authentic and who I am, like who I was created to be. And then another part that helped me realize my self-worth is having people in my circle who saw what my purpose was and they saw a glimpse of my passion pushing me to a higher calling. So surround yourself with people who are in higher places than you. Surround yourself with people who are willing to call you out on your BS, but also challenge you to be a better version of yourself. And then just having a strong support system and family unit, like my parents, you know, I just recently lost my dad, but he was a big supporter um, with anything that I was trying to do. And then now, you know, my husband, you know, sometimes we're like oil and water, but he does challenge me to be all that I can be. And I'm so grateful for that because you definitely need people on your team as well as in your corner that will see, you know, see you and say, hey, I think you could do better in this area. And they'll really push you to strive higher that's part of, you know, your self-worth because people will give you feedback. And I think feedback is a gift, whether or not it applies to you, you could take it and thank the person for the feedback, or you could um, discard it. So it just really depends. But if someone cared enough about you to give you feedback, you should really self-reflect on that and say, is what they're saying true? Am I in denial? Or can I be better in this area? And once you start to answer those questions, that helps you formulate your self-worth a little bit more. But it's not, I'm not saying that, okay, what someone takes, you take it as golden and you run with it because, you know, a pair of lips could say anything, but you really have to have discernment and see, okay, is what they're saying to me, is it cutting my core? And is it piercing me to the point where it's burning, like burning as inspiration, burning as fuel for the fire and burning to help me see a higher calling and a new light? Oh, yes. Sorry, I had to, uh, I had to put the mute on for a second there because my, um, uh, my house is next to a main road. So all I heard was an, uh, an ambulance started playing. I was like, I need to listen. <laughs> but oh my goodness. Yeah, I think um, that's, yeah, that's the, the perfect response, really. <laughs> it's just the perfect response. I mean, so as you uh, see the, the world kind of opening up again, albeit slowly, inch by inch, slowly, let's hope. Um, what's the 
what would you like to do as your next step? Obviously you've got this, you know, the expanded edition of the book, um, but what would you like to do and how do you want to kind of implement these, the, the sort of the new changes and the, the stuff that you've learned over this, you know, this past year of just pure insanity, uh, um, <laughs> you know, as, as, uh, as the pandemic set in, but, um, you know, how do you want to, to carry that forward into the, into the, the next phase, you know? definitely want to create a workbook to go with the book based on the reflection quotes. So as people are reading the book, they could have something next to them where they could use um, the workbook to kind of formulate their plan and strategize on what spoke to them or little nuggets that they want to take. Then as, like you said, as the world is opening back up, hopefully once COVID numbers begin to decrease, I definitely want to partner with some of the local schools and really go in there and talk to the younger kids about inclusion and diversity and what that is because they are going to be the future generation. So if we don't teach them about inclusion and diversity, how to celebrate people that don't look like you, how to embrace your differences, how to be confident, how to how to really know your worth and who they want to be. Because I feel like sometimes the methodology with teaching kids is backwards in my opinion, because they always ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And they never ask, who do you want to be when you grow up? And I think the who is more important than the what, because the what is a form of label and it's a form of confinement that keeps them boxed in. So that is one of my goals is to take this book into the school system, because even though it talks about work, you could formulate that into, you know, school age too, because they're doing their schoolwork, they're doing their material and we're preparing them for the future. So they need to know what it's like and they have to get a glimpse of reality because not everything is you know red rosies a pocket full of dozies or however you say it and we definitely need to just prepare them for success prepare them that you know the world is not always cookie cutter and sometimes you have to fight for your rightful place in the world and it's not about fist fighting but you could fight with your intelligence you could fight with your intellect and you could fight with your goodness and you know, sometimes, you know, you could beat people at their own game, but just killing them with kindness. And I think Heather wanted to chime in earlier. <laughs> I just, I mean, I've spent my whole working career talking about, you know, understanding self, understanding who you are and your, and, and, how, and how you show up in, in the world and then valuing those differences, which involves listening you know, in order for me to understand you, uh, it's not through my own lens, it's also really truly understanding you and listening. And I, I, the probably, well, no, not probably, definitely the most common question that, that I get in when I'm working in business is about, you know, like, I can't get promoted if your face fits and my face never fits. And what I'm hearing from you is you made your face fit. You know, you, you did the work. You didn't just sit there and wait for somebody to <laughs> give you that role, you know? And I, and I think, you know, it, it, it really is about, it's work, it is work. And it is fighting, but not in a, you know, in a, in a physical sense, but it is, it is actually putting that energy into making sure that you're heard. It's not, it's not just a given that, it should be, but it isn't just a given that people will listen to you. And I think you created this amazing platform where 
you know, you have the book, people are listening to you and, you know, young children will just be so inspired by that. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So when do you start? When, when does this, when does next phase start for you? So the revised edition is in um, production right now with the publisher. I sent over my draft. Um, she's editing it. We're going to reformat the book a little bit to just see how the aesthetics are going to fit in. So that's um, being worked right now. I've had people ask me if I was going to turn the book into an audio. So after we get the production done of the expanded edition of the book, then my next step will be to talk about the audio and then the workbook. Because I think sometimes people <laughs> are so busy, they may not have a chance to sit down and read the book, even though the book is only 102 pages and you could like literally read it in an hour or less. Um, it may just be easier for someone just, you know, pop in some earbuds and just listen to it while they're at work and you know that may be the fuel that they need to get through their day but um going back to your point whenever you talked about listening i think that's so important and so that's why i was like okay maybe i need to have a listening version of the book where they can listen because sometimes you can read it and it can speak to you one way but then if you listen to how someone narrates the book and you feel the energy and the vibrations then that may just you know really cause you to just jump up and be like okay I got it <laughs> yeah. so. absolutely. absolutely and I think we, we internalize things different when we have audio and especially if you're creating a workbook um reading and doing a workbook for me doesn't work so well because I'm not so visual but listening and doing a workbook to internalize it it's makes more sense so that's exciting that you've got so many different, different ways around it yeah okay. so <laughs> I can't let this go and and I'm and we may need to edit this but I don't care so tell us about your acting background your acting days oh so that um <laughs> <laughs> that happened for me um <laughs> that happened uh for me before I decided to pursue a four-year degree I was really passionate about acting because I love movies I love dramas chick flicks and all that and so I was like okay I could see myself doing that because it's like you get to step out of your reality into someone else's reality and kind of get in scene with characters that you normally wouldn't do in your ordinary life. And sometimes, you know, playing other characters and getting on stage, it's like you take on the presence of something else. And then that becomes like, you know, a way that you could channel some of your energy. And then once you're done and you're like, scene, you get back into your own body and your own life. But those um, different exercises you know, really become a part of you. And it teaches you so much about yourself because if you're in your own body, you're like, I will never do this or I never can do that. But then once you get up on the stage, it's like a free for all, like a no judgment zone. And it's like taking you, you're having like that outer body experience and you're like, 
I feel so comfortable. Like I'm in my, I'm in my own skin, but people really don't see me in my own skin because I'm taking on this elaborate personality or I'm taking on this gift and I'm embracing care, uh, creativity and just having fun and like all your like juices and creativity and energy just gets out there and you're like, here I am. <laughs> and <laughs> So have you considered a career in cabaret if all this changes? No, I like, this is like my first <laughs> time, should... like talking about like really cabaret, like in a sense, cause I was like, what is cabaret? Like, do I, do I have a place? But like, people always tell me, Hey, you have a good speaking voice. Have you thought about doing voiceovers or have you thought about doing this? And I'm like, you know what? Like we're in 2021. Like this is, you know, the year of endless possibilities. We thought 2020 was the year of perfect vision, but like I say, it was far from perfect vision, but a slap of reality. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, 2020 so, is meant to be, yeah, it's, 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 it's done, it's done. There's so many possibilities for you. Yeah, so maybe, maybe Cabaret, but I just love acting and what really, um, I did get an audition for IMTA LA, which is the International Model Talent Agency. But at the time it was like five grand. And so my parents didn't have five grand. So it kind of, you know, fell by the wayside. And then I went to real school, like I tell people <laughs> and got a four year yeah. degree and changed my major once. Cause I started as a psychology major and older siblings like, you're not gonna make any money with a psychology degree unless you get a master's or a PhD. And I was like, okay, that's a good point. And once I landed the job at the Fortune 500 company, they told me the same thing. And they said, if I changed my degree, they would um, pay for part of my tuition. So I was like, okay, sold, win-win. But then the caveat was like, you have to stay with the company for two years. So I was like, okay, two years, get a degree, don't have to pay as much student loans back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes it's a, it totally makes sense, doesn't it? Um, I love what you were saying about the idea of that, you know, when uh, with obviously we have a soft spot for this because of cabaret. Um, <clears throat> but the idea that, you know, in inhabiting and knowing uh, yourself through that sort of stage creation can bring so much clarity to, to kind of our own state. Um, do you find that you bring in some of the, the techniques and the, some of the tips and tricks that you learn from, from your acting school days into, the, into what you do now? Yeah, like the monologues, just memorizing different things. That is a good technique to have because as you begin to like get you know, book tours or speaking engagements, which I want to do speaking engagements, then you could uh, memorize your pitch or different stuff or like your elevator pitch. If you meet someone, you could kind of give them your sizzle reel really quick. <laughs> and I think um, that's a technique and just really listening because sometimes when you're on stage, you have to listen for those verbal cues and you also have to watch for visual cues so you can know whenever your line is coming up or whenever you need to move or whatever. So those are different um, tips and tricks that will carry you on to where you go. Then voice fluctuations are very important, like your tone of voice, like you could be like, oh, like high pitch and like people could know that you're like happy or if you want to be serious you kind of like 
you know, lower your eyebrows, change your tone, and then you proceed. And I think all of those kind of help me with Genesis and who I am. <laughs> but I'm very bubbly anyways, firecracker, so. <laughs> so there's a question in Scotland. There's an expression in Scotland, which is, I, I'm not even gonna try the accent, but it's, if it's for you, it doesn't pass you by. And yeah. so you may end up back on the stage. Who knows? Yeah, just saying. <laughs> Okay, I see y'all. You're putting out the <laughs> We're just like, also, there's a cabaret starting in 15 minutes. Are you ready? Let's <laughs> we planned this so, and did not tell you. <laughs> we, well, we didn't know either. It no. just happened. Where, where, where can people find you or find out more about your work? So I'm on Facebook as Genesis, that's G-E-N-E-S-I-S, -E Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, last name Kemp, K-E-M-P. I have a book page as well under Chocolate Drop in Corporate America. I am available via email at genesisamariskemp at gmail.com. I respond to all my emails. I don't have a assistant, so it will be me, y'all. I'm on Instagram at Lady D Richardson, which was my brand before, you know, my author journey. And I am just, you know, just so thrilled to like talking to people, like getting feedback and really just helping people walk, walk through this thing called life because it's a journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And if people want to get this lovely book, it is available on Amazon in paperback for $13. I have a Kindle version for $2.99. It's also available in two bookstores, Book Mecca, that's M-E-C-C-A, and Shelves Bookstore. And I will be launching the book in other bookstores once it is re we brand it and expand it with the new chapter. So I'm super excited about that. And soon you'll be doing your own audio version of it as well, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> All of the things. Thank you so much for joining us today, Genesis. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you uh, as per usual. And uh, honestly, I mean, it's such a, such a, uh, a brilliant set of skills and such a brilliant set of applications for all those skills as well. Um, honestly, as, a, as you know, uh, interviewing someone who works as such a strong and fierce advocate um, is is really quite is really quite such a pleasure for us. So thank you so much. It's been it's really been so wonderful to speak with you today. Thank you so much, Ryan. I really hope I impacted you and Heather and shared some wisdom nuggets and you know. <laughs> called out some things that you all could do in your own life because I definitely want it to be mutually beneficial and I definitely want to leave an impact and some of my residue and remnants to help you channel your energy and help you you know be confident because you know you already are but everyone needs more confidence we're all learning about ourselves and I think we we definitely need each other to like you know, love on as well as help us embrace who we are and celebrate who we are and who we were created to be and just be unapologetically us. Yes. Oh my goodness. Thank You're you. Yes. Thank you so much. That is just beautiful. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure.
have you and talk to you. And remember everybody. So shall we do uh, Oh, oh yes. And just before, I'm just going to plug the book again. Just remember everybody, get it on Amazon. Corporate, um, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America. That's $13. Thank you so much, Genesis. Shall we do our affirmation then? Yes. yes. Okay, everybody. My name is Ryan. I'm Heather. And I'm Genesis. <laughs> and we are here to remind you that it is your body, your world, your stage. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. We'll speak to you all soon. Thank you.